When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And with the sad news that is going around the world as we record this episode, our thoughts, of course, go out to the family of Her Majesty and at this very, very sad time. However, we are not a politics podcast. We are not a monarchy podcast. And the football, at least outside of England, should continue. So, so are we. And as always, my name is Rory. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. And I am joined by... Just one good friend today, but who is it? <laughs> it's Adam. Yes, unfortunately, Andy is celebrating, which sounds really weird on this occasion, right? But he's celebrating <laughs> that his work. Going do. off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have to caveat that he is just having a works do on an unfortunate event. But um, no, um, really doing well, Rory. How was your week? Um, it was good. Yeah, not a bad week to be honest. Um, just work, but the Champions yeah. League is back so that definitely helped quite a lot coming home and i now have access to bt sport goal show and it is just about the best thing with james richardson uh james horncastle ralph honigstein all of them really really enjoyed that show and got to see all of the action because you know when arsenal aren't in the champions league which (laughs) is often now i don't have to just watch one game so there are perks you know i can see all of the games um and there was lots of action this week thankfully um how's your week been adam yeah it's been quite good uh quite a tiring day today but i'm glad to be on the pod and that's the most Mm. important thing and as you alluded to there's some fantastic stories to talk about so within these own little matches we got to uh, learn a bit more about some unique stories along the way which I'm sure we'll be sharing with our listener even right now but um, yeah where where do you want to start? I think first we need to get into the blimp so first we get into the blimp then we do Champions League let's go and here we are it's the champions it is back (laughs) And it sounded incredible being screamed by the Celtic crowd, I'll be honest. And the Napoli crowd in particular did stand out with the screams of the champions this weekend, week even. But we are back. It is back. And it kicked off big style on Tuesday night. I think there were some huge games. Mm. Um, On Tuesday night, the game that it was an early kickoff. I don't know about you, Adam, but with the Champions League early kickoffs, it always seems like they pick the worst games, right? And it's always just like, oh, can I be bothered to watch this? Can I really be bothered to watch this game? It's kind of just a bit of a formality. And I think that's what UEFA for when they picked Dinamo Zagreb taking on Chelsea early on a Tuesday afternoon. But it did not go to script. <laughs> Adam, tell us what happened. I think uh, maybe Chelsea underrated this Dinamo Zagreb side, to be fair. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely on paper, I think they were expected to be the whipping boys. But uh, from previous seasons, they've been doing quite well. And um, yeah, they really did scare Chelsea during the course of this match. But once they scored, that was it, pretty much. I felt like Chelsea were very demoralised. Um 
and I suppose the after kind of stories really tells its own. So the fact is Thomas Tuchel's been relieved of his duties down there. Um, as Andy kind of alluded to on the previous pods, and I think it was on the live stream, Todd Bowley didn't really pick Thomas Tuchel, and it seems to be that he wanted his own man. We did speculate even on our WhatsApp group whether Mr. Ted Bowley would be the manager, but he didn't want to play football manager, it seems. And uh, <laughs> not, yeah, not quite I mean, that much. What was your thoughts on that announcement alone? Well, before we get to that, I'm going to quickly just shout out Dinamo Zagreb because they've been yeah. causing a lot of problems in Europe. Um, Orsic, in particular, has now scored five goals in five games against teams based in London. He scored against West Ham, he scored against Chelsea, and he scored against Tottenham. Remember when Lloris was crying after they got knocked out of the Conference League, <laughs> was it, by Zagreb? That was Orsic yeah. who did that. So thank you, Orsic. You'll forever be a legend. Just please don't ever, ever play against Arsenal. Um <laughs> What did I think of the announcement? It did not surprise me at all. Um, mm. I think, well, did it? Yeah, maybe, no, I don't think it did surprise me. Like we said, we've talked about on previous pods that Todd Bowley obviously has his own way of doing things. Um, mm. And he seemed like the type of owner that would want his own man. Um, yeah. He's now got his own man, but I was reading an incredible, incredible article in the Athletics Day, just really, really fascinating about the transition and the kind of the, the things that went on in the background behind between Tuchel and Todd Bowley. And it was really fascinating. It was apparently in a few early meetings, um, Todd mm. Bowley and the other owner, I can't remember his name, Eggball, I want to say, um, they approached Tuchel with some ideas and drew on the board a 4 4 3 um, formation right. and um, Chelsea now deny that that happened but there have been apparently other slapstick moments um, in meetings with Tuchel and the players mm. and the new owners where they've been looking going who the hell are these guys they don't know the first thing about football then they started arguing about tactic about transfers sorry so all yep. the players that Tuchel suggested Boldly got none of them so it was people like Delict. he wanted Frankie De Jong um, he wanted Gabriel Ronaldo. Jesus. Ronaldo, I believe, was also one. Well, of the Todd Bowley wanted Ronaldo, it? but Tuchel yeah. didn't, and that was another thing that they fell out about. He apparently couldn't understand why he wouldn't want Ronaldo, and and then there was all these things about Tuchel's personal life, and he himself mm. had become more distant with the players. He did this mad thing on preseason where he he did two team meetings between players who were happy to stay at Chelsea. That was one meeting, right. and players that didn't want to stay at Chelsea. That was another meeting. And then in the next game, he picked players who had openly said they didn't want to stay at Chelsea and dropped players who said they did want to stay at Chelsea. And it just seems like this, when man management seemed to be one of his strengths, and when he first came in, everyone was saying the fact that the players love him, he's like empathetic. Yeah, exactly. He can... And all of a sudden, this this just changed. I think we could all see that it wasn't going right for him at Chelsea and the results mm. were pretty poor. And given... If VAR hadn't <laughs> robbed yeah. West Ham, the results would have been even worse. Oh, exactly. I think, by all accounts, the decision had been made pre-Dinamo Zagreb, but mm. post-Dinamo Zagreb probably just accelerated it a bit. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. But Todd Bowley obviously had his man because they've gone out yeah. and they've got Graham Potter within 24 hours, which is incredibly... Um, that's incredibly efficient. What do you think of this news? I know what I think. What do you think? Well, I'm I'm actually pleased for Graham Potter. I think this mm -hmm. is going to be an interesting move for him, an opportunity for him to get his mark across as well. Like I feel like managers at that kind of 
where they're almost kind of like pushing for that top four, top six position. Mm -hmm. They never seem to get that chance. And now this is a bright opportunity for someone that can maybe show the lights and show there's a way to potentially get in into those kind of top six, top four jobs. Um, I think it's interesting that obviously it sounds like since the Chelsea announcement, he did turn down Spurs um, on the basis of he said, in quote, things, right? In quote, he said he wanted a proper big club, which yeah, yes, I'll, I'll yeah. always respect that. I'll always respect that. Great. <laughs> <of work>. <laughs> I, I think it's uh, obviously one of those where I'm really pleased. I hope it goes well for him because I think there's a lot of people that are already speculating that it won't be going well for him just purely because of the case that is Chelsea, that they yeah. don't seem to have a structure. They don't seem to have a like a vision of where they want to achieve this club, where they want to push it. I mean, certainly we can speculate where they want to drive that. But the fact is, and this was an interesting tweet that I came across. So Thomas Tuchel spent 254 million in the summer. They've had only one clean sheet. And in the last five games, they've lost three. So that mm -hmm. kind of tells you why potentially Todd Bowley decided to push um, by all accounts. He's looked at what he's done in Brighton. And I'm talking about Graham Potter liked what he's seen i think he probably sees maybe an nfl kind of style that he's a coach and therefore mm -hmm. he might be a person that will absorb or at least entertain maybe some of his suggestions but ultimately he'll get on with the players it's interesting that he's brought the whole backroom staff from brighton as well across to chelsea so that's going to be interesting in terms of the mindset i think there's uh, been a piece that's going around social media about the fact that he's the only um, manager right now that has a degree that focuses on man management wow. um so he is very smart um but yeah i completely get there's going to be some skepticism about time whether he will be given mm -hmm. time especially when results don't go his way and he has got it tough, but I think he's probably gone in on the assurances that at least he can maybe embed this over the next 12 months because I don't think he's going to be able to drastically save Chelsea season. But there'll be a remit to make sure they're in the yeah. top four by the end of it. So with the players he's got at his disposals, I'm sure he will be able to get the best out of potentially even those younger players that are coming yeah, through. Yeah. So this is going to be the interesting piece. I think that's probably where Todd Bowley's kind of thinking at the moment is you've got a combination of experienced heads and younger heads and how can you get the best harmony out of that team? And yeah. that's probably what they've been crying out for. But yeah, I mean, what was your thoughts on the Graham Potter point? Yeah, I think it's obviously the, the, the first, the, my initial thought was like, Graham, don't do it. It's just going to kill your mm. career. Just wait like not that club, like even Spurs yeah. would have been a better fit for him, I think, because I think they would have given him time, like yeah. United, City, Arsenal, all these clubs, like they're a bit more patient, if you know what I mean, whereas mm. kind of Chelsea, their whole thing has been like consistent sacking, but consistent silverware. So it's just a different way of doing it, but it has worked, but there are plenty of managers that have kind of, their, their gravestone has been laid at Stamford Bridge, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And I think, but that being said, I think Todd Bowley is trying to take the club in a new direction. And mm. I think he, again, through reading this article and reading various things, it seems like he he wants to invest more in the youth system. He wants to try and bring through their own players. They've they all this summer they they've poached youngsters off Arsenal, off um, West Ham. I think they've kind of taken youngsters from the mm. academies, and I think like it, it, they are maybe trying to trying to switch their focus that way. So maybe this is part of him being like. 
or maybe this is part of Chelsea's attitude shifting. Also, within the Kukurea deal, um, apparently Todd Bowley spoke to Kukurea specifically and knew everything about Graham Potter's career. So mm. uh, maybe he chose him because he thought, that, well, I can just change the attitude of this entire club now. And I think for Chelsea, it would be incredible because they do have one of the best youth systems in the country. It's the yeah. best youth system in the country and they never use it. Exactly. Like, guys, you are just wasting so much money buying them back for 90 million in three years time. Mm. Like I think it would make so much more sense for them to switch their focus. And maybe just, this is just them doing that. I think that could also be us being very optimistic. And within 18 months, he could be sacked because he hasn't won anything or because they're sick yeah. and they've not shown that patience. I just, I really, really hope that it, even though it's Chelsea, like you, I really hope it goes well for Graham Potter because mm. he's a manager that regular listeners of the pod will know we absolutely love him. We love the football his teams play. We love the players yeah. he produces. I think if they give him as well input into recruitment, and I think they, he has taken um, yeah. the, the head of recruitment with him as well. Yeah, yeah. And that could him. be huge for Chelsea. That could be huge. Um, so, yeah, pretty exciting times. Pretty mm, exciting times. Definitely. Um, It'll be interesting to see how it goes. But for Brighton, Adam Lallana in charge. Boys, I know. We've got we've got player managers back. It's like being in the night again. I love it. I absolutely love it. What do you think are the chances for Adam Lallana? And what do you expect? I'm pretty <clears> excited <throat> to see it. Exciting to see, but I don't think it'll last, unfortunately. I think they've probably got a plan in action because Brighton have come across as very astute when it comes to these kind of things because you've seen it in the players, right? They got rid of Basuma, they still carried on. They got rid of Malpe, they still carried on. So I, I feel like they probably got someone in mind. They would have had their little black book where they've got a few names yeah. listed down, ready, prepared for this. And it'll be very interesting to see, I don't know about you, but who they kind of go for now. Um, will they change the kind of like style of football? Or will they go for someone that's got the same ethos as Graham Potter? Equally, do they go down lower leagues and go and pluck someone from the championship or below? So it'd be very fascinating from that point of view. But Adam Lana, I mean, it'd be very fascinating to see what he could do because I, he doesn't come across as a manager. He doesn't come across as that. And I don't think he's ever kind of said that that's his ambitions. But again, you know, just to see that happen, that'd be fascinating. Uh, you know, again, there's nothing to say it couldn't work as long as he's got an experienced sort of background room staff i think that's the mm -hmm. only way that that will work but again from your point of view you were excited by the fact of maybe lalana bringing it up for brighton <laughs> well mainly i'm excited to see if he goes for suit if he goes for tracksuit yeah. or if he does brian robson <laughs> suit top half shorts bottom half maybe you could rock that um I think the worrying thing is that his backroom staff have all just that all the backroom staff have, uh, mm. have left. But I would think that Brighton would have someone lined up. And as an outside shout, um, Tony Bloom, the owner of Brighton, also owns um, Royal Saint Gilloise yes. in Belgium, and they've yeah. been absolutely tearing it up. And their manager, I'm going to get his name right here, Carol Garriotz. He's only forty, mm. and people are getting pretty excited about him. So maybe. He's seeming as they're using that club as a youth production for themselves and for a talent factory. Yeah. Maybe he could be brought in. But I'm pretty excited to see. And you know who I'm actually going to link with it. I'm just going to link him to every Premier League job now. It's big anger in, in Celtic. <laughs> he has to get a shout as well. He has to get a shout. Um, 
But that's it. Dinamo one, Chelsea nil. We've gone from Dinamo <laughs> to Brighton. That's not bad. That's not bad. I not think. bad. Yeah. So let's talk about another German that seems to be under fire, um, and that's a certain Jurgen Klopp. He seems to get really rattled at the moment, and uh, in particular for this match, Rory, uh, they lost four one against Napoli. Um, Napoli were brilliant absolutely brilliant i couldn't wait to watch this match and it did not disappoint uh in particular seeing farah take on oh. trent alexander arnold we've got Faradonna. to talk about it he's Faradonna everywhere, is born. He's everywhere. He is born. but also anguisa yes. was insane for this match i could say that about the lot of napoli players mm-hmm. zelinski had a great game yeah. and i'm sure if Osserman had actually stayed on the pitch then I yeah. think there would have been more goals. I don't know about <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, yeah. but I do feel that. But let's get your thoughts on this match. Well, yeah, the first half, it was that first half was one of the best performances I've seen in a very long time and, and it, it, on the European stage. Napoli yeah. were absolutely outstanding. Yes, they were helped by Liverpool. We'll get onto that. But yeah. Napoli were absolutely thrilling. They got their game plan completely right. They were just catching Liverpool every single time. Osimhen, it was a risk to play him because he had yeah. injury concerns. But they took that risk and he was just getting past that back line every single time. Napoli were trying to get that early pass. Cavada just dancing in midfield and on the wing, making Joe Gomez and Trent look very, very <laughs> stupid. It was an incredible performance. And I think Napoli, we've been talking about how good could they be. That is how good they could be. I think that is mm-hmm. like the performance they need to be aiming for every game this season now, being like, put that result on the changing room wall and be like, that's yeah. what we did. That's what we're capable of. Because Liverpool are better than most teams in the, in Serie A. And if they can turn yeah. up and do that to Liverpool, like there was three, three other teams have beaten Liverpool this year. It was Inter, mm. United and Real. And all of them only did it by one goal. Napoli did it by three. Yeah. Like And like you said, could have been more. Um, Allison saved a penalty. Like there were definitely chances for Napoli to get more. I was, I thought it was absolutely outstanding. And I'm glad you pointed out Ang- Anguissa. I thought when he was at Fulham mm. on loan, I thought this guy's yeah. unbelievable. And I thought someone's mm. going to buy him. Someone's going to come in for him. Then he disappeared out on loan somewhere, right? I can't remember where he went to. And then all of a sudden, Napoli had him, and he killed it in Napoli in, yeah. in, in Serie A last year. He was easily one of the best defenders. We yeah. talked about him all last season with like Koulibaly, him, and Osimhen as the spine. Yeah. That was a hell of a start of a team. Like, and yeah, he's just gone from strength to strength. He got his goal last night. He doesn't get many of them. <laughs> yes. I had him in Fanta Calcio last year. Trust me, he doesn't get many goals, but he starts every game. Um, and yeah, he got his goal, and I just thought that first half was outstanding for Liverpool. Mm. I've not seen an attitude from a team, especially a Klopp team, just so lazy. It yes. seems like like you can go through the fact that Milner now, I think we're seeing Milner's career end. Unfortunately, yeah. he's had a fantastic career, been one of the utility players of the Premier mm, League era yeah. and won everything. Incredible career, but I think it's finished. I think he's just got that. He's gone that one year too far. Mm. But you you can go through that and go like, oh, maybe the midfield needs improving. Maybe the defence needs improving. None of that matters if none of these are going to run and press. Yeah, because exactly. Because the, the reason why the defence kept getting caught out was because nobody beyond them was pressing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, that's what Jurgen Klopp's thing relies on. So I think the, the attitude, and that is it the Simeone goal, yes, where yeah. Trent is just stood there watching. Yeah, and he's literally. literally stood there watching. I thought he, there's a there's a attitude problem here that we've not seen at Liverpool before. Mm-hmm. 
Why, what do you make of it? Do you think it's just one of those nights, or do you think it's something that's a bit no? I think there's something deep lying in that. I, I, I know, like I think it was last week's episode where you joked about Klopp and the seven-year mm-hmm. kind of hoodoo that he's got, and I was thinking, nah, don't worry, you know. And I was also thinking about this during the week. I was thinking, you know, fair enough, you get a bad run at the beginning of the season, but somehow you, you just kind of anticipate maybe Liverpool to sell through get some results. We haven't seen the best of the likes of Salah, for example. Yeah. He hasn't really turned it on, to be honest. And he was another disappointing factor on that uh, Wednesday night mm-hmm. as well, to be fair. But, I mean, it, it does look like there's something not right in that squad or the camp itself, mm-hmm. because like you alluded to, there was a lot of ball watching. I, I saw a lot of ball watching. No one kind of tracking back properly. You had Andrew Robertson kind of screwing after the fourth goal when Zielinski went in because he was like, yeah. what the hell? Like, with three minutes into the second half, we said we're going to go for it yeah. and you guys aren't doing your jobs. Um, like you've alluded to, Milner's a season too much. Like, he, he should be playing League Two if he's at that mm. standard now. Yeah, and yeah. Unfortunately, he's not the answer. But then when I'm hearing suggestions of, you know, Henderson and Thiago coming back and like potentially helping them out. I, just, I can't see what input they're going to have on this team. And it does, you know, we've got this Darwin situation as well where he's, he needs to mature, right? He needs time. Mm. He's not going to be a player for this season, maybe. But there's going to be a lot of pressure on him now to deliver and score goals because the people around him aren't doing it. And yeah, certainly, yeah. I, I don't know where that spark comes from. It does feel like it came team from. Transition. I think it came from Sadio Mane. I think he was absolutely key to that team. And people completely overlooked him consistently. And it was like, Firmino Salah, Firmino Salah, Firmino. Guys, Hmm. Mane is putting up the same numbers and just is so key to that team. It was insane how, like, I think I have been surprised by how key he was, but I think not enough people realised how key he was as well. He's an incredible Hmm. player. I think... Robertson is the only one he came out to the cameras afterwards. And I think as a, as a professional, as a person, I really like Robertson. He seems like such a nice guy, proper sound bloke who just loves (laughs) his job and like is very, very good at it. He came out to face the cameras and he said like, look, if we're going to not, if we're not going to run, then this is what we deserve. Like we're better Mm. than this, but this is what we deserve. I think with Henderson and Thiago, like they will undoubtedly improve the midfield. Henderson gets a lot of stick. I think Thiago does as well. Neither of them are particularly strong midfielders that are going to like ball win or like, but I think they will add a bit more like assurance to that midfield. I think Harvey Elliott is going to be a very, very good player, but it's a bit early for him to be playing on the right side of that midfield. He still needs to develop. I also thought he was a winger. I didn't have him as a central midfielder, but obviously Klopp knows better than me, but I think he's not quite ready for that role. And that's why the midfield was so open. If you've not got that ball winner. And I think, it was just Napoli ran riot, like absolutely ran riot. My it friends is. from Napoli, I was messaging them last night, and they honestly were mm. like, "Non credo, like I do not believe <laughs> what is happening. I cannot believe it." Like they were on on cloud nine, like absolutely. Yeah, I can imagine yeah, for Liverpool, it looked very, very grim for this season. Now, like I think, obviously, we could all see that Klopp wanted to get another midfielder. Mm. They brought in Arthur Mello, who I think. Look, I've not seen him play for three years, so I don't actually know what the guy's <laughs> like. He seems to be surviving off his reputation from Barcelona. Yeah, I think he so. barely played for Juve. I honestly don't know what to expect. He could be the he could be the solution. 
I doubt it. So what yeah. do Liverpool do from here? I also think the centre-back, the, the defence needs looking at. Because if, if that midfield isn't protecting the defence, mm. it doesn't matter if you're Van Dijk or Maldini, you're going to need help, right? Yeah, So yeah, what, yeah, where, what do Liverpool go do from here? Like Klopp doesn't do other formations. He I, doesn't I think do other formations. I think you're going to have to drop some players. Mm. Drop those egos. The egos are clearly there. There's there's something not right, right? There's mm-hmm. you know for the fact that Van Dijk hasn't played really well, and we've been seeing him do a lot of lunging recently. Yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. that Everton match, which we didn't really cover off in the Monday Night Review. Yeah. I mean he should have been sent off, and that's he not the first been, time yeah, this yeah. season that he should have been sent off. To be fair, again, like you, you're talking about leaders across the pitch. They just seem to lack it. I mean, even I saw for, I think it was the third goal when Napoli scored, Salah's moaning. Just mm-hmm. he, he just moans. That's all I've ever seen him in recent mm-hmm. months. Just moan, like either not receiving the ball, that he moans. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's not getting his way. He moans. He moaned about getting a contract, right? And he's got yeah, it. Yeah. And he's not, like, earning his buck now. And yeah, the fact yeah. is, he forced, like you've said, Mane to leave. Maybe they got the wrong man. They yeah, wrong man. yeah. And if it feels like maybe it's something of for that team, they've come so close. Last year, they came so yeah. close to winning everything, right? They they were one point away from the Premier League, and at one point, twenty minutes away from the Premier League. Yeah, and they lost the Champions League final, one goal to nil. I think is it maybe a psychological thing from the team of just like we they have. Every year lost, like put up numbers that would win them league titles every other yes, year, right? Exactly, it's just that they're yeah. against a nation state, so they can't win, right? <laughs> I think maybe after a while, just psychologically, you just cannot do it anymore. If you work so hard, which like rock mm. and roll football clock kind yeah, of demands, exactly. maybe after a while, when you work that hard and you win, but you don't win as much mm. as you feel you deserve to win. Maybe psychologically, after a while, that takes its toll, and you're just like, "Why am yeah. I running this the most in the league as compared to any other squad yeah. when they're just going to win it anyway?" I think, like psychologically, yeah. maybe that could be taking a toll on it, and maybe that's why this cycle for Klopp exists. Um, yeah, it's true. You forget about the fact that they have been constantly playing matches. They haven't had much of a rest, right? Yeah, they've been constant and. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like they're going to have a tiresome kind of campaign going forward as well. You have also forget that a lot of these players are internationals as well, so they're not mm-hmm. going to get a break internationally. Nope. So it almost feels like that Dortmund days where it was that last season that Klopp had. It does feel yeah. like that's ever coming closer. Um, hate to say it, Liverpool fans, but it does feel like this might be the beginning of the end. Um, yeah. Let's I hope think, I'm wrong. I think... I think, yeah, I hope, I, I think most sensible Liverpool fans know that like Klopp kind of has his hands tied. Like mm. FSG aren't free spenders. They yeah, actually exactly. run the club very sensibly, which is a good thing, people. People running your club sensibly <laughs> is a good thing, right? But I think most sensible fans know that Klopp has done an incredible job with this team. Mm. He's won the Champions League. He's won, he's won every trophy he could possibly yeah. win with that team, right? And I think the owners are going to stick with it. Because they know that they've got one of the best managers in the world. It's mm. just whether that media noise gets too loud, like the knobheads on Twitter, if that gets too loud. I hope Liverpool stick with him. You're not going to get anyone better or who anyone no. who does a better job than Klopp has done, is mm. currently doing, apart from, you know, current form. Yeah. Like, I really, really hope they stick with him because I think it, it will be quite a sad 
indictment of modern football if like this mm. this manager who's come to like symbolize a lot for liverpool fans of like his attitude in politics the type of person he is how identifiable he is with the club like how close he is i think it would be really sad if they fired him after like the first poor run of his seven yeah, years exactly like beyond him building the team since the success this is the first rough patch off the top of my head i think it'd be really really shitty for them to sack him straight away so i think he will be here for a while hopefully i do like yeah him. i do like fingers him. crossed um, i just think maybe some of those players need a quiet word in the ear possibly um mm. or just a rest at some point <laughs> would yeah. be nice. yeah exactly yeah right um but i think we'll leave napoli liverpool there apart from to yep. just say again Cavaradonna, just oh my god, what a player! Um, and sorry, a really beautiful story about Simeone. So he scored his first with his first touch in the Champions League. He scored yes. and he kissed his wrist. Now he got a tattoo on his wrist when he was 13 of the Champions League symbol. <laughs> and his dad, Diego, shouted yeah. at him quite a lot, being, Why the hell have you got this tattoo? And he's like, One day I will play here, one day I will score here, and when I do, I'll kiss this tattoo. And he did. And you could see Beautiful. how much it meant to him. Simeone, again, part of that Hellas Verona team last year that were he was unbelievable. Yeah. Great striker. I really, really like him. I was so happy for him. I was just really, really happy for him. So I thought it was a really nice yeah. little story there to put the icing on the cake for Napoli. Definitely. Massive 4-1 win. Huge. Um, which mm. game do we want to go to next, Adam? Should we go to uh, PSG and Juventus? Because that, that was an interesting one. one. That was that a really was... enthralling match, especially Mbappe. Mbappe, like, just different world, wasn't he, with those goals? He's the best football... He's the best director of football I've ever seen <laughs> on the pitch. He's incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Um, also, the, the assist from Neymar for the first goal. Oh, my God. Oof. Absolutely filthy. That finish was incredible. And I think with PSG... I, I've put money on them to win it this year. I've put money on them to win it this year. Mm. Um, and my main reason, before I lay my I've got my reasons. Gaultier. Yeah. Yes. He's yeah. the best French manager on the planet at the moment. <laughs> um, he he won the league with Lille and PSG are in that league, right? He's an yeah. incredible manager. Um, they finally got him. They've got Luis Campos as the director of football mm -hmm. slash Kylian Mbappe, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they've actually made some sensible signings. So signing people like um, Renato Sanchez, I never thought would be a sensible signing, but he is a sensible yeah. signing. Um, they got Mukiele from Leipzig, right? And they've mm. kind of improved the areas that need improving and not just gone for huge names. And now all of a sudden, the squad just looks a bit more rounded. Does, and I'm like... Yeah. Wow, this is actually a very, very good team. And they're being coached by someone who we'll see if he can handle big egos. But so far, it seems like he's handled yeah. it quite well. Um, and yeah. the only issue has been between Mbappe and Neymar, but it seems like those two hate each other anyway, no matter who you are. <laughs> um, but what, what do you think of PSG? I was, I, uh, this was the most complete performance I thought I've seen. Yeah, them. yeah. And I think this was the maybe the test for Gaultier because obviously he mm. hasn't really been tested at Champions League level, really, to be fair. And this was fascinating to watch. But on to your point about players as well, Messi. Messi's gone under the radar, but he's performing now. And I, I wonder yeah. if it was just a circus of the first season and maybe wasn't helped by the way they were playing. But again, yeah. he's pulling out some decent performances as well. But again, I, I, like you, I mean, there's a certain confidence with PSG now. Um, Golchi is a sensible appointment. And I don't yeah. think a lot of... 
I know the likes of Julian Laurent wasn't very keen on Gaultier because he feels like he's a defensive kind of player, right. or manager, should I say. But he gets the best out of his teams. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're seeing right now is he's going under the radar in terms of he's keeping it really quiet, keeping it simple, but they're winning the games they need to. Yeah. And in this instance, they came across a team that arguably you could say is, is a test for them because that's yeah, yeah, yeah. a bigger team as well. It's not like a small, smaller team in the Champions League, but... Yeah, just to kind of see that kind of performance, it seemed very professional. And um, word on Allegri, again, just struggling, struggling. Just and Juve fans just hating this. I mean, <laughs> like, just... nobody is having fun. Nobody's having fun. He hates it. The players hate it. The fans hate it. Just, yeah. And then, just, oh, God, it was just so depressing. And they only started attacking once they were 2 0 down. And then the goal comes and then this is when you're like fucking Allegri's a genius the goal <laughs> comes through a defensive substitution he takes off an attacking player brings on McKenney I know who's, uh, I don't know what McKenney is uh, uh, no midfielder <laughs> is the most I could say about him he's a midfielder he somehow fucking scores and then you're like okay maybe Allegri knows what he's doing but then ultimately obviously it's not enough and no. the substitutions yeah. were far too defensive and it was classic Allegri ball I just think what yeah with PSG what impressed me was that the game was just put to bed it wasn't like mm. this every time every time I see PSG play a big team in Europe it tends to be quite chaotic and quite like if they win it's like 5-4 and three yeah, players yeah, exactly. have been sent off and everything's on fire and this just felt really just professional. It was like, oh, tune it up, right? See the game out. Yeah, they conceded exactly. a corner, but they still saw the game out. Old PSG might have conceded a second one there. Yeah. Um, and I think it was just a huge, huge change there. So I think PSG could be, um, yeah, not many teams are going to do well against them this year, I think. And Juve, I'm no. just, I'm actually starting to feel sorry for their fans because it's just, <laughs> my God, nobody is enjoying it. Nobody. I did see our friend Alfredo from the TikTok um, mm -hmm. kind of uh, explain that he would like their club to go for Thomas Tuchel and uh, was ringing the uh, bells for the hierarchy at Juventus to make the change right now because he is desperate. I mean, that kind of spells out. I mean, we were talking about Alfredo, who a few weeks ago on our pod was really optimistic about their yeah. chances. And then, yeah, it's just a shower of shit, isn't it? It's just a shower of after, shit. After right five now. matches, oh, Christ, <laughs> enough, enough, enough. So, yeah. yeah, well, I've seen Inter fans crying out for Tuchel as well now. So I think he's a, he's a name that is getting linked with a lot of clubs at the moment. Um, but yeah, so PSG 2, Juve 1, Juve lost. Good times. Um, <laughs> speaking of other Italian teams that lost, Inter nil, Bayern 2. It wasn't even close, was it? it no, wasn't even close. not at all. And despite the changes that Inzaghi did put for this game, the likes of Wonana, for example, mm -hmm. coming on as a goalkeeper for once. So it's good to see him actually turn up. Um, but equally, again, it's very similar to the Liverpool scenario where you've got players that just don't seem to be tracking back, they don't seem to be yeah, doing their yeah. jobs. And I, I don't know whether that's in Zaghi's tactics. Is that the way he's playing it? Uh, is he just still on this falsehood of let's carry on what we did last season? Uh, mm -hmm. It just feels like they've lost their kind of identity to an extent. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, just even again, we just saw, even for those goals, they were just mesmerised. They didn't know what they yeah. were doing. Like defensively, it was just the balls one, over the, the ball top. Just goes over the top, yeah. and Sane controls it. Just rounds off Anana, and 
it's a goal. And Onana's like yeah. shouting at his defense, going, What the hell? Like, <laughs> what do you want to move? What do you want me to do? Yeah, and yeah. even for the second one, yeah. Ambrosio just seems to slam it into oh. the net pretty much. I mean, was like that move from Bayern was absolutely gorgeous. It was, it was. reminiscent of Arsenal against Norwich for the, for the great <laughs> yeah. gold connoisseurs out there. Absolutely beautiful one touch passes. But D'Ambrosio does manage to just spam it into his own goal. Um, I thought with the Anana one, the first goal, I saw uh, some Inter fans like cussing him out, being like, "Oh, Anana get, got caught out running, running too right, early." Yeah. I was like, "Because none of his defenders tracked the striker. What do you want him to do? Just stand still in the goal and be like, right, <laughs> yeah. let's just but he's he's got to try and close an angle or something.' The fact that I think they were just him, used to Handanovic going, you know, waiting <laughs> just, there basically. <laughs> hopefully, it'll hit me. Like the fact that Sane's incredible, like first touch and dribbles it round him is not Anana's fault. It is no. the fact that none of those defenders did shag all. I do kind of worry about or worry for Inzaghi now. It feels like like they they've run a form or their fixtures coming up as well. Mm-hmm. They've got Roma in a couple of weeks. They've got Napoli just after that. Like the the fixtures get a little bit in quotes easier. But not for long. Oh, they've got not the Champions for long. League as well to mix into that. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be this the Coppa Italia as well. So, I mean, it's not going to be easy. And um, I, I have heard that there has been rumours about Inzaghi threatening to leave Inter because he's not happy at the conditions down there, especially in terms of his transfer targets didn't yeah, get well. what he wanted, for example. <laughs> yeah. And that's not going to change, is it? So, no. and that, this is where I kind of think realistically, Tuchel's not going to go under those no. conditions. He's not going to want that. So it's going to be very difficult. I, I don't know who they go for if they do replace Inzaghi, but again, it's got to be someone within Italy, maybe a Vincenzo mm. Italiano or someone like that, potentially that might mm-hmm. like entertain it. I, I don't know. It's But Inter look a mess at the moment. Again, they yeah. look like a team that just, I don't know. Again, I, I still feel there's something not right with those defenders at the moment. I don't think they're 100% yeah. fit. And that's why you've got likes of Bastoni still making mistakes. Yeah. Screenyard looks off the pace at the moment. So, not good times for Inter Milan. Not good times. Not good times. And on the other side of Milan, I think there was a bit of an overreaction to this result, but Salzburg won, Milan won. I think it's actually not a terrible result. It would have been better for Milan, obviously, to win with Chelsea losing. They could have taken control of the group. Mm. As it stands, Chelsea could kind of get away with that loss to Dinamo in with the way the results went. I did enjoy, we've gone from a manager who seems to, well, with Allegri fluking decisions. I think purely he made one change to his team um, from the uh, Milan derby. He brought in Sailor Makers and who got the equaliser? Sailor Makers. I feel like it's a really, (laughs) he's a manager at the moment who cannot make a mistake. Um, And Salzburg, again, incredibly exciting young team Mm. that are going to trip people up. And FM players' favourite, Benjamin Benjamin Seshko, I believe you say, yes, did come Seshko, on yeah. and came very, very close to scoring. I thought Salzburg were mm. quite an exciting team. I really enjoy, we, with Red Bull teams, you know exactly the type of football they exactly, can play. Yeah. But it's always enjoyable to watch, right? What did you think of this game? Yeah, I mean, definitely Milan off the pace for this game. I think maybe they took it for granted in terms mm. of maybe they thought it'd be fairly straightforward, um, especially with their form of late. You know, Milan have clearly got the confidence from the derby as well. But Manian, again, I mean, Oof. how's this man not the French number one? Like, <laughs> one, you're yeah, telling yeah, me yeah. that Hugo Lloris is the better keeper. Mm. Mm, that's, there's some questionable decisions there, Deschamps. But, you know, if it wasn't for him, 
I'm sure Salzburg could have got away with a win here. Um, it would have been a 2-1 or something like that, certainly, because yeah, he had to pull off at least two top saves here again. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Salzburg, really excited for them because, you know, last season they were kind of there or thereabouts. They were kind of pushing it to be at least in the top two when they finished the group, but unfortunately they fell into third place in the end. And this season it feels like They've got a chance. They've got a chance in this group, especially if Chelsea don't play as they have been, you know. It could be an interesting uh, choice of who's going to be in the top two by the end of this kind of group stage. But yeah, pleasantly surprised by Salzburg, but Milan, obviously good points, you know, away from home. You can't moan at that. And obviously next game, I think they're at home to Dynamo Zagreb. So be very interesting. It should be. And to round off the Italian and English teams, I think we just need to very, very, very quickly talk about Manchester City. Um, Erling Haaland mm. now um, is it he has more Champions League goals than like, oh, I can't remember who it <laughs> it's was. It's depressing, now. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of players that we really appreciated as children. He is smashing these records. He now has 10 goals in six games for Manchester City. I honestly, one of my favorite things to do because I was watching the goal show and you know, like there's like, oh, there's been a goal at the Sevilla Stadium, pitch one, is it? I can't remember. Um, Whose is it? And you see the move. So you know a goal's coming, right? Yeah, exactly. And I just watched Harlan's movement. I didn't even watch where the ball was. I just watched Harlan. I was like, right, what's he doing? Where's he going? Where's it? And you just see him make this just constantly doubling back on runs, constantly running. And then he just, Mm. wherever the ball is, he's fucking there. And his reading of the game is just unbelievable. And as Mm. we've talked about before, for a guy who's fucking eight foot, he manages to lose defenders (laughs) every single time. Like defenders just lose him constantly. And it's, he's fascinating. I find him absolutely fascinating. Like I'm, yeah, I'm in love with him. It's incredible. If I was yeah. a City fan, I can't imagine ever having a better player than him. Like, it's insane. Yeah, he's just a freak of nature. It has to mm. be said. Because, like, normally when you think about the traditional target man, you think, nah, he hasn't got a lot of pace. Yeah, He's got pace. And if it's not like that, it's just the fact that he's so agile as well. So he yeah, can yeah. do those kind of runs. He can, like, cross it if he wanted to half the time. But yeah, he just, yeah, yeah. he's a bit like Eberichi Eze. He just seems to glide, just yeah. glides mm-hmm. across that pitch, especially when it comes to final third. So he's almost anticipating where the ball's going to go. So, but just a word on that kit. That's horrendous. Uh, that Man City kit. Oh, I mean, right. That claret and blue just does not Yeah, work. yeah, no, it's terrible. It's it nice saw for me. Yeah, easy, easy result. Um, should we um, just Sevilla mention... Sevilla in a right quickly. mess as well. Sorry, Sevilla yes, in a yeah. right mess. Like, they're in a right mess. Um, yeah. So, not a good time to meet Manchester City. They've gone from a very well-run club to a bin fire, which is very, very severe. That's what they do. <laughs> very severe, <laughs> definitely. Um, but I was just going to mention um, the other result that may not surprise people, but it was Frankfurt losing to Sporting Lisbon 3 um, 0. But I wanted to highlight here the story of a certain Marcus Edwards. So, yes. probably unknown to listeners, but he was an ex Spurs player. Um, during the time of Pochettino, he actually tipped him to be the next Messi. And you know, Ooh. when that tag happens, you're definitely not the next Messi, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But he uh, spent a loan spell at Norwich, had one appearance, no goals, ended up in the Dutch league playing for Excelsior, only like turning up for 18 matches, scoring two. So again, you're kind oh, of God. thinking not mesmeric, but then he ended up in Portugal. So Victor Duga Moresh. 
turned up. He spent about two seasons in total, 95 appearances, 20 goals. Was enough to persuade Sporting to snap him up earlier in the January transfer window of earlier this year. And um, yeah, 21 appearances and six goals, and one of them being on this particular night. And um, there's a lot of commentary about could he be the next English wonder kid that like does really well abroad and then makes it back into the national nice. side. So we love to see that. We love to see, see that, that happening. Definitely. Yeah, I love so. to see. I always think like footballers that manage to travel loads of their career, like maybe they've not like won the Champions League or they've not won the Premier League, but you've yeah. played in like six different countries or something. Man, that is a life. That is a hell of a life. That's like, yeah, I just played professional football in like here, 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 here. Man, just talk to me. Just tell me all the stories. Like, just what a life, yeah. what a life. So, best of luck, uh, Marcus. Right, best of luck. Yeah. And we will definitely be keeping an eye out for you now because, as regular listeners will know, we love an Englishman abroad and we love keeping <laughs> an eye on English players and how they're doing. So that is, yeah, best of luck. Last last Champions League game we need to talk about. It was a big surprise, I think. Um, not many people mm. saw it coming, especially not the Leipzig manager, um, Tedesco. <laughs> he didn't see what was coming the next day afterwards either. But Leipzig won, Shakhtar four. Now, yes. this is a team that have not been able to play in their own home stadium since 2014 mm-hmm. because they're from Donetsk, which is in an area of Ukraine that was from the beginning of the conflict, yeah. right? Has constantly been there. So they've been playing in Lviv for the past 10 years, whatever yeah. it is. They've not played their home stadium. That We've talked about in our preview um, episodes about how many of their players were bought by European teams this summer, of yeah. course, on the cheap because the players wanted to leave, were able to leave. Um, so their team was almost exclusively Ukrainians, exclusively homegrown players. A player in particular who stood out, Mudrik, who has since mm. said he would love to sign for Arsenal. Oh, God, please make <laughs> it happen. He assisted two and scored, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. He looks incredibly good. Just what a performance for Shakhtar, I think. And everyone can get behind Ukrainian teams doing well at the moment, right? I yeah, think exactly. that's quite an easy thing. But... Shakhtar have been a very well-run club for a very long time and have produced a lot of the great players like Fernandinho and Mm. hundreds of Brazilians that have come into the Premier League have come through Shakhtar. And it's just great to still see them do well with their homegrown players and bringing in, because Ukraine, for a country that's relatively small, they produce a lot of good players. And I was just really, really happy to see Shakhtar do well. They were on the break. They had four shots, four goals, lethal. Absolutely lethal. So I think that was definitely a great story from the night. Yeah, definitely. And it's beautiful to kind of see those scenes of like the Ukrainian fans as well around, mm. dotted around the stadium, just flying yeah. their flag and just being proud, you know, just yeah. not having to think about the war. But a word on Leipzig um, before Tedesco got sacked, they've been on a terrible run. Um, <laughs> they've just lacked identity this season. They not the same side. I'm a bit surprised that they've decided to pull the trigger because, mm. you know, you think, right. They were in a very similar circumstance last season with a certain Jesse Marsh. Jesse Marsh had a bit more time in comparison, but yeah, the league form hasn't been great. Now, it's been rumoured that Tedesco will be replaced potentially by Marco Royce because Marco Royce started off at Salzburg. Uh, ah, he's okay. part of the Energy Drinks uh, franchise <laughs> uh, academy, whatever that be. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, apparently he's been brought about because his uh, previous director at Borussia Mönchengladbach 
is now the director of football at Leipzig. So that's okay. where the connections have come from. So it seems very strong that a certain Marco Royce mm. will be made the Leipzig manager. I don't know whether he's the upgrade because I think there's a lot of question marks about Royce since he made that move from Mönchengladbach. But yeah, I, I think with Leipzig, they've got some good players. They need to get a tune out of them. And certainly the, probably the expectations with Leipzig is they need to be aiming for that Bundesliga title, especially yeah. as Bayern are not running away with it this mm-hmm. season. So, and yeah. the fact that you've got the likes of Freiburg and Union <laughs> Berlin at the top of the table, that says a story in itself. So, yeah, the Bundesliga, since Lewandowski's gone, is not that dominant by Bayern Munich anymore. But, yeah. That's yeah, we do also... I know the, the Champions League has so many talking points, but Lewandowski, I also just forgot how good he was. I just kind of like, <laughs> after he left Bayern, I was like, oh, he's gone to Barcelona. They're a bin fire. This is going to be terrible. And then he just scored. He's got more goals than games again. And you're like, oh, Lewandowski, he's still got it. He's still got it. Yeah, he's still got it. And he sets the record again. First player yeah. in Champions League history to score a hat-trick with three different clubs. I mean, hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, wait, so that's incredible. Barcelona, Bayern. And then who's the third club? Am I Borussia thick? Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund, I am being thick. Of course it is. Of course it is. Right, yeah. Okay. Not so. bad. Good work, Robert. And Bar- Barca looking. Actually, I know it's Victoria Pilsen, but oof, they played some lovely stuff. Um, I think we're done with the Champions League review. I think that's everything. For the Europa yeah. League, some of the games have actually finished. Um, yeah. Arsenal... 1-2-1. Go on. Um, <laughs> the other results we have so far, just let me get the app up on my phone. Um, we have, uh, let's have a look. Ooh, looking for big games. PSV drew with Bodo Glimt. Is that a big game? Fenerbahce beat Dinamo Kiev 2-1. Roma lost yes. Ludogorets away. They are not in a good place right now. No. Um, Union San Gilwaz, who I mentioned earlier, Bright- yes. of Brighton fame. Beat Union Berlin 1 0 away. That's a massive result. Yeah. United are currently drawing 0 0 at half time. Sheriff are beating Ammonia. Lazio are 3 0 up against Feyenoord. Ooh. And I think that's all of it. Nonce. Oh, Freiburg. We talked about them. Freiburg, They're 2 1 up yeah. against Carrier Bag. So there we go. Yeah. Freiburg continuing their Bundesliga. <laughs> and that is the Conference League slash, no, Europa League round Europa of Conference League. League. We don't have time for this. Right. Let's <laughs> go. Let's. Talk. Now we're working on the presumption that the Premier League is gonna be postponed this year. This this yeah weekend. yeah and we that... we did have notes, didn't we, Rory? But unfortunately, the yeah, events just... today has kind of made yeah we're we're gonna assume it's not gonna take place. Yeah, so... we're not gonna waste your time or our time talking about what we think about games that probably aren't gonna <laughs> happen now. So what we're gonna do is waste your time. We're talking about games that are gonna happen, and we're gonna talk about <laughs> Serie A. So. Um, if we each pick a game, I suppose, Adam, I'm going to let you go first. Which game on the Saturday, let's say, caught your eye? Yeah, first? let's go with into Torino then. Um, Torino, Ooh. I think they're a team that we probably didn't anticipate to do too much this season, but they find mm. themselves in sixth place, which I think is fascinating because obviously at the beginning of the season, it did seem like that would be another bin fire. The manager yep. there was obviously kind of cursing the fact that he hasn't got any money to spend on players. So it was interesting. You know, you saw various different businesses take place before the end of that window. And yeah, Miranchuk again is one that stands out really from that team right now. Um, Torino well run as well. They're what they're one of these sides that will do a job and is there a feeling, Rory, that they could maybe get a win here? 
because of the form of Inter Milan right now. I think it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility. But what it does, what you do have to bear in mind is that Torino haven't beaten Inter in a very long time. They've not beaten them since 2019. Um, mm. But Inter did, in that run at the end of last season, one of the games in which they dropped points was Torino away in a one-all draw. Yeah. Um, I think, as you said, Torino have been... They've had a very good start to the season, but all the three teams they've beaten have been the promoted teams. Um, so they've yeah, beaten Monza, true. Lecce, and Cremonese. And they drew, they lost to Atlanta and drew with Lazio. So I think we could say that Inter have been worse than Atalanta so far this season. So I yeah. think maybe Torino could get a result here. It would be quite funny, I think, if Torino finally had a great season once Belotti left, I feel like it would be yeah, really quite would be harsh. be so harsh, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. You put all these years in a grafted and actually they're just going to do better once you leave. But I think they could have a really good season. Moranchuk is a great signing for them. Like, I'm surprised. Mm. I'm kind of surprised he went there, honestly. But yeah, great signing. And yeah, this could be your upset of the weekend. I think this could yeah, be the one definitely. which gets... What was your pick from Saturday anyway? I think from the Saturday, I think I'm going to go for... I think it's on a Saturday. Lecce versus Monza. Is that on a Saturday? Let me double check. It is on... No, wait. No, it's not. It's on a no, Sunday. From the Saturday, Sunday. I'm going to go Napoli-Spezia. There we go. <laughs> Napoli-Spezia. Because we're having a love-in with Napoli at the moment, and we're just obsessed with yeah. them. Um, I think Spezia have not had a great start to the season so far. Um, we know what to expect from them. They We said at the beginning of the season they might be in trouble. Um, they've kind of lost, drawn, lost, drawn, kind of super inconsistent. Haven't won since the first game of the season. Whereas Napoli, right up there, fresh off a 4-1 battering of Liverpool, a 2-1 win over Lazio. This could be, I'm not expecting it to be a surprise, but I think we could see Napoli back to big numbers in Serie A. Like kind of, you know, they mm, opened the day with, yeah. five, with a 5-2. We could see a kind of like four or five goals here. I think Napoli really should be getting a big result here and watching Napoli while out is always good fun. Um, Equally, this does have the kind of hallmarks of a kind of typical Spalletti side where they do really well and then suddenly turn up at the league and then draw one all against Spezia with Spezia yeah. scoring in a 90-second minute, to be fair. Very, very it true. It's just so very true. true. But yeah, Spezia um, are interesting because they're sort of building a mini Poland squad as well at the moment. Dragowski okay. at the back and Kivor, like, and then you've got Reka, <laughs> the left back. So yeah, interesting that they've got the Polish vibes going on down there as well. This is a weird little about, community in, uh, <laughs> yeah. in the middle. Probably of a Polish shop in that particular town or something. <laughs> so, yeah. um, elsewhere on Saturday, we do have the late kickoff is Sampdoria taking on Milan. Sampdoria are terrible. Milan are decent. Yeah. That's only going to go one way. Sampdoria are <laughs> awful. <laughs> um, they on are, the Sunday at home, they are strong. That's the only one caveat I'll give to Sampdoria. But yeah, we'll, we'll no, carry on true. with the Sunday They've... fixtures. Don't worry. Let's crack on. <laughs> No, they have drawn. It's weird. They lost to Salernitana and, and Verona, but then drew with Juventus and Lazio, which is I mean. like... They pull it up for yeah, the big matches. Yeah, That's what it is. yeah, maybe. Maybe you've got something there. Maybe. Um, on the Sunday, um, let's pick a few games. I'm going to let you yeah. pick two games. What's going to be your first game to pick on the Sunday? I'm going to try and avoid the one that you did mention for the Sunday because I also like that match. Okay, but right, I'll, right, go right. For, I'll go for Juventus versus Salernitana as one of them because I think this is going to be intriguing to see 
it's not going to be one to like watch. I'm not going to sit down and watch this match because it's a legry ball and I, I couldn't be bothered and with it. Salonatana. Yeah, equally, yeah. yeah. Salonatana find himself in 10th position. We did talk about Shisto Piontek, Il Pistolera. He did come on on Monday night. Unfortunately, he didn't get his, his goal. Will he score in this match? I mean, it would just be mesmeric to see him like <laughs> do the celebrations in front the of Allegri memes, you know the memes alone <laughs> yeah. would be fantastic yeah yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, I, I'll go for that one and then just for something different I'd go with Atalanta versus Cremonese because mm. I think Cremonese have been very unlucky so far I think fixtures haven't been so favorable for them Atalanta on the in contrast they're doing really well like surprisingly well like i you know with that gasparini side i expect them to be like fires at the back you know they're trying to attack one end you know you've heard about the philosophy of he likes to find players if they don't try and pass it forward for example Mm -hmm. um cremonese i'd love to see them try and get a point in this match but i think it's going to be an atalanta win but from that point of view, I'm also just curious to see how long can Atalanta maybe sustain it. They're not yeah. in European competitions, right? So they've got that kind of maybe a chance to, um, mm-hmm. you know, cement something going forward. I don't know. What was your thoughts on Atalanta? Yeah, it's weird because Atalanta had a really disappointing season last season, like really mm. disappointing. But I do feel like we've seen them much brighter at the start of this year um, without much like transfer business, really. They've not like overrun the team or like, obviously a few players have left, but I think, yeah, they just seem a bit fresher. And I think maybe that is just like the less games to play or whatever. But interestingly, this Atalanta versus Cremonese is the first time these teams have met since 2016. These wow. teams have not played each other often. That was in the Coppa Italia. And the goal <laughs> oh, scorers, what, the, the goal scorers, only one of them is still at Atalanta. Toloi, Oh wow! Um, okay. Papu Gomez and Kessier get in the goals. Oh wow! Atlanta in okay. The win. So yeah, a long, long time ago. Um, Cremonese, yeah, only collected one point. Their run at the start of this season. So they've already played Napoli, Inter, um, Roma, right? They yeah. now play in Atlanta. Then they've got Lazio, Lecce, and Napoli after this. So their run of form mm, is terrible, rough. I. I, th- I still think they can stay up, but they need to start getting points on the board at some point. Um, so, yeah, the first game I'm going to pick for the Sunday is, you'll be surprised to hear, listeners, Lecce versus Monza. Yes. Um, it's an absolute relegation six-pointer. Um, last season, Lecce won twice, um, a 1-0 win and a 4-0 win. Um, and Lecce have been problematic for teams in their games there's only been more than two goals once and that was against inter so they've Mm. drawn one one they've won one nil they've lost one nil so they're not a team that gives away a lot or creates a lot but they're very organized very compact very tight very tough to beat monza on the other hand are almost (laughs) the opposite um they've lost every game scored twice conceded god knows how many um if they don't get something in this game, I fear they won't get much in many games. Um, mm. I need to look at the table, actually, because Monza are currently bottom of it. They, they conceded 13 and scored two. Scored like, two. It is rough viewing down there. But, so I think Lecce should really be getting something here. Um, yeah. Yet to win a game, Lecce, which is surprising. But... Yeah, a big, big game in terms of the relegation fight. I think that one is huge. Um, mm. 
Do I get a second game now? I lost track. Yes, you do. Yeah. Yes. My second game is I'm going to go for, because I think it's going to be an entertaining game. Yeah. Lazio versus Hellas Verona. Um, Okay. Yeah. It it was a three all draw last year and a 4 1 win for Hellas last year. It was the game in which Simeone scored all four goals. Um, Lazio, we've seen, have turned up against big teams. They've kind of struggled against the lesser teams. And I think this is a game that's got goals written all over it. So I think Lazio versus Hellas Mm. on the Sunday could be worth a watch. Also, cheeky little shout out for Bologna versus Fiorentina. Bologna have just sacked uh, Mihailovic as he goes through another treatment for cancer. Again, just come on, Sinisa, you, you're one of the strongest men in football. Like, <laughs> you've got this. You can do this. But they've relieved him of his duties. I think it's kind of just the right thing to do. Yeah, it was. Um, he was never going to leave that club. Like, it was a just go away and look after yourself and then come back mm. when you're better. Like, and it, I think they've now appointed Thiago Motta, who was in charge of Spezia. Not the most exciting yeah, appointment. No. But um, he might keep them up. That's what you've got to but say. He might, he's pragmatic. He, might, he yeah, will do no. what he did at Spezia, right? And exactly. he did exactly. in his first season an incredible job. Incredible yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fairness. he did incredibly. And I think, um, yeah, not the most exciting for Bologna, but they'll get there. Fiorentina, yet to win a game. Mind-blowing. Um, this could be where they finally win. Another game where I think you could probably keep an eye out on it. The other one, actually, to mention, and I thought you would mention it, is Sassuolo versus Udinese. I think that's another game that has goals written in it because Mm -hmm. I think Sassuolo aren't particularly strong. Udinese haven't been exposed, but against a lesser side like this, it would be very intriguing. Do we have any, like, understandings on Berardi if he's still injured for this one? I didn't see anything on his injury Mm. update, actually. Um, Berardi injury, I'm not sure because I'm drafting him I'm not. I'm going to. I'm. I'm not. I might try and draft him in Fanta Calcio this weekend. Damn it! Um, <laughs> it just says that he'll be out a thigh strain, thigh strain for a few weeks. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah at weeks. least three weeks, I would say. So you yeah, might be missing this one. Considering damn, I've just shown one of my hands. That's right. None of the, none <laughs> of the Italian guys listen to this. But yes, I do have my Fanta Calcio draft this weekend. So any advice for players to get people, please hit me up. I need people that aren't like don't at me with Federico Chiesa. Like, please, people that are, like, a bit under the radar would be useful. Um, But, yeah, Adam, I think we have no Premier League this weekend. I think that is everything. Um, It does feel like it. I'm just going to let you send us off with the quote. You had the quote this week, right? I'm I'm passing the book. Yes, so this week's quote is from a certain Giovanni Trapattoni, and I think his advice for a certain Graham Potter here. So he said, we had a lot of players leave. Lots of new players came and a new coach. It's a team that has to find itself. And with that, we'll see you next week. Take care, guys. Bye, guys.